good people. You guys know this is Born Rebel, aka Zen, and this is episode nine of the meeting of the gold mines. We got a special uh, guest with us today. But before we introduce him, I got my PGM brother, the one and only Mr. Tony Vega, the bald mojito, the lover of all things spicy, the proprietor of good times. Mr. Vega, how are you doing, brother? Good. Good, man. All good. Um, Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, It's been a great Sunday, actually. It's been a great weekend. Good weather. It's um, and for all those we're recording this on Labor Labor Day weekend, so. But yeah, it's it's been actually a great outing. It's just um, except for the USA basketball team, but we'll get there. We'll we'll get I'll there. Go. We'll get there. Yeah. Well, you know what? You do have your your very own Super Mojito Funko Pop that's on its way. It will be here on Tuesday. So yes. So those who are looking uh, on watching on YouTube, that's a picture of it. Tony will be showing it off. Uh, he, you know, not many people have their own um, Funko Pop. So the fact that the Super Mojito is about to debut. Uh, but, you know, Tony, it was a big week for us uh, for PGM, Purple and Gold Mine. Um, last, you know, we had our entire month of Mamba um celebration you know to celebrate in the career of the one and only kobe breen bryant and you know just within that month you know we decided that hey we're gonna make a fucking documentary and we debuted the trailer for it um it's called jobs not finish i mean getting great support and tony you're already bald but you know i think and you're the person that's going to be doing the editing for this. So, um yeah, there's yeah, not going to be there's not going to be any facial hair. This is I'm just going to be like a like a little like a like uh uh, uh a gerbil when they're like really Yes. yes. Like this, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, but um check it out um the full pro the full project, the documentary we're debuting it on our YouTube channel and in playback. Um, so check us out on YouTube. Follow us at Purple Gold Mines, G-O-L-D-M-I-N-D-S on YouTube. And follow our playback channel, playback.tv backslash PGM Fan Cave. We're going to debut it November 7th. And don't worry, you won't be missing any uh, basketball because it's election night and there are no games per NBA rules. So you know what? We're out here working. Um, it's going to be a great project. Check out the trailer on our Twitter page. Um, but you know what? We got a special guest. And I think oftentimes one thing that I have learned in this content creating business game um, endeavor is that a lot of folks are territorial. You know, a lot of folks have an attitude that, and we're, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna name names, but a lot of folks have the attitude that, hey, uh, I don't want to collab. Um, I don't want to see you win because if I if I see you win, then that's, you know, that's uh, you know, I'm taking an L, 
or hey, you got less followers than me, so you're not even worth my time. But not this brother, not this brother at all. Um, he is someone that I could say I respect, I admire, not just because of the content he uh, puts out, but his um, professionalism, but also of how gracious he is as a person. Um, and so I have a lot of admiration for him. And I'm so thankful that we're here uh, to have a conversation on our podcast. And um, he's someone that, and I say this respectfully, that when, when I see what he's doing, I'm like, okay, like, that's a route to take. And it's not about pickpocketing or cherry picking. It's more so that, you know what, uh, you can have professional, you can find folks to be professionally inspiring. And I'm not kissing his ass. It sounds like it. But you know what, I got a shitload of respect for him. Um, now, he has a lot of absurd food takes. And just to bring him down to earth, he believes pickles and peanut butter is a good thing. But you know what? I There's respect. A story behind that, though. Buddy. Oh, let, okay, we're gonna get there, please. Uh, and let you know. Let's start off with that story. Well, we got the one and only Chris from Hoop Spaces. Chris, what's up, brother? How are you doing today? We got lots to talk about. Thank you for joining us. Hey, what's up, Rebel? What's up, Tony? I'm I'm happy to be here on MOTG. I'm happy to be able to uh, to come up here and. and before episode 10 before you're in the double digits like i i I, I told tony like hey I'm, I'm definitely down for it but my schedule is pretty hectic so like really i i only have a certain window so i'm sorry it took so long but i'm, I'm ecstatic to be here because i gotta give you guys credit to, to make a a documentary uh regarding one of the greatest players who ever played the game on your own dime on your own time like that's that's exactly what inspires me so like that's that's real dope. So I do hope your listeners uh, enjoy it. I know I'm gonna check it out. Maybe not on November seventh, but but likely during the holiday break uh, around Thanksgiving. We are no, we appreciate that, man. And uh, yeah, you know what? Like the documentary, we're gonna get into that in a little bit because part of big part of our conversation um, in, uh, later on in this recording is about you know fan created media. So. Um, I'm just so you know. There's so many questions to ask you. Um, I guess you know. Let's just get it out in the open, man. Uh, peanut butter and pickles, man. Uh, what's the story behind that? All right. So, so um, NBA players are very they're they're very notorious for their their food likes, right? And um, when you are a rookie, you have a vet. It, it's hazing. Like it's it is. It's not as negative as what a lot of people might think of hazing in, in terms of like recent college stuff. Right. But it's, it's just good natured. Um, hey, pay your dues type thing. And, and one of them uh, for a rookie player, I'm not going to name uh, was the requirement to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you had to make it the right way, but his vet wouldn't tell him the right way. So every day this Brooke was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a different fashions possible that he could think of. He asked every other player, like, you know, who is it? You know, like, what does he want? And then in the end, it ended up becoming a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Wow. That's, that's, um, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's, 
I don't even know how to. Wow. Feel yeah. sorry for that rook. Um, <laughs> feel sorry for that I, rook. I think I think it took him about five months to to find out that it was peanut butter and pickles. But then when once he found that it was peanut butter and pickles, like he, he was that's, accepted. That's yeah. that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. Well, um, it slaps, man. You got to try it. That's, you know, you're the person that has a violent relationship with pancakes, and you telling me that I need to try. It's not violent. It's not. It's it's (laughs) actually the opposite of violent. I have zero problem with pancakes. I actually affirm the truth in pancakes and that they're merely just loose sloppy bread. That's it. And, and, you know, for folks who who don't know... um, and anyone that's listening to this in the morning, um, do you want to tell the people what you refer to uh, cereal, breakfast cereal as? Oh, yeah. It's dry human pet food. All right. Yeah. Um, there goes our Captain Crunch sponsorship. Um, people are like, I thought you guys talk Lakers and basketball. Why are we talking about people? Oh, we talk about all types of shit uh, <laughs> in here. But you know what? Speaking... But look, we're going to get to Lakers talk in a minute. We are recording this Sunday, September 3rd. It is Labor Day weekend. You guys will get this on um, on Tuesday. But but here's the thing. Today has been a very weird day. Something happened that we don't see often. Team USA lost an international game. We lost a game 104 to 110. And even though... There's been a lot of folks to say that he should not have even made the team. Everyone seemed to be blaming this loss on Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves. Uh, Tony, uh, are you able to tell us who Austin Reeves is? Oh, yeah. He's he's from Arkansas, the bane of existence of many Laker haters. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I am not able to just um, insert that clip, but I'll probably do it post-edit. So yeah, let's do that in yeah. post-edit. But just in case yeah. you guys don't know, Austin Reeves is him. Okay, he is him. Um, we know it. Um, and yes, we. And if you don't know, we will tell you. Austin Reeves is him. For some reason, yeah, the world. Lithuania knew Austin Reeves was him too. Hey. Yes, and you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned that because you know what Lithuania did? They said, the coach said, hey, who we need to uh, focus on? And they pointed to Austin Reeves' picture and said him. That's exactly what they did. Uh, Tony, yeah, what, they cooked what, what did, yeah, what did, he, yeah, he got cooked. He got cooked. It's okay. Maybe it might, maybe it, you know, might add some color to his skin because sometimes he looks a little pale. Tony, what was this, what, what's what was the stats like? It was bad all around. It was bad all around. Uh, for him, he had 13 minutes of play, only one. So one out of four, oh, oh, two from three, zero rebounds, zero assists, and seven points. And uh, fouled out. So there's yeah. that too. So, oh, and by the way, like just because I, I, I love how in the same context of the, discussion that Austin Reeves had a horrible game. Um just a fun fact, like how many rebounds did did Triple J had 
in the last defense, like, quarters. Reigning defensive player <laughs> of the year, Mr. Three Points. I, I mean, yo, like, there's – okay, Austin Reeves was a hole. He was cooked. There's no denying it. There's no defense to it. Like, we saw it. <laughs> and and we're probably going to have a replay on playback just to see the see the live cooking. But, like, man, there's so many holes on that team. Like, it's, it was not – like, the only person who showed up was Ant. And, yeah, well, that's was, not true. That's that's just that's bad. well. Brunson showed up too, which uh, oh, Brandon right. Ingram. Oh. Brand, Brandon Ingram had a good game off the bench finally. Uh, but, but oh yeah, I forgot about Ingram. He but, he did yeah. So so the the biggest issue that I have with the FIBA World Cup plays is that I think that a lot of players just um they yeah, they just too. they are they are entering a new transition phase right. And and the problem that we are having is that most fans don't really understand what that means. Like the, the, Thank the you. United States was never going to send its A team to the FIBA World Cup because the Olympics are right around the corner. So like if they were to send their absolute A team in FIBA and then have them play an entire season, then an entire playoffs, and then put them you know in there for the Olympics, like you're talking about two to three years of continuous basketball play, uh, and you add in the in season tournament and and travel, like that is a huge physical toll on a professional athlete, regardless of you know the. Uh, athlete ability like these are the best athletes in the world your body is still going to to run down um also like they are in a complete transition this isn't just like changing of the era for players the entire administrative apparatus of team usa basketball has been going through an upgrade or a renewal or a redesign or a refit however you want to say it for the last few years now so like we are in a build that has been sat down and orchestrated on paper multiple times. And and when you look at it, yes, we lost to Lithuania. However, we lost giving up almost 20 points in the first quarter, coming all the way back just to lose by six because Steve Kerr kept Austin Reeves and Reeves Sanity out there for five minutes too long. It's like really – and – Triple J, like Lithuania was able to punk him and get him into foul trouble super quick. So like once once that happened, you had zero rim pressure. You had zero defensive switching uh, and recovery uh, on the perimeter. It was it like you can have bad games. And what happens when you put a coach like Steve Kerr in this position, uh, much like Doc Rivers, is he's going to put the people out there that he trusts for whatever reason, but then he'll never second guess until it's usually too late. And then, like this morning, it was too late when he finally realized it. And then by the time he made the right moves, USA was out of time. Yeah, if we had two more I, minutes, we'd probably win that game. No, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you just said something about to get on, but you know, the thing about you know, um, going off of what you just said. The thing about USA is that, yeah, because of COVID, things got pushed back. Even if you want to go back to the previous Summer Olympics, that happened a year later. So it's it's a very unique time. Uh, also, Grant Hill took over. We have a new coach. It's no longer Coach Pop, Steve Kerr. You're, you're figuring out what's working, what doesn't work. Um, and, yeah, and with this squad that's uh, that's in the Philippines right now, Maybe two people 
maybe two people from the squad. Um, I don't think more than three will uh, actually make the Olympic team next year. Oh, so I, I, could, yeah. I could see, I could see six or seven. Six or seven. Okay, I see Anthony Edwards. I see, yeah, I see Anthony Edwards. I see Austin Reeves. Uh, and yes, there is a bias, but you know what? I look. We watched the um, Olympic two thousand eight game. Michael Red was on the team. You know, um, what was it? I think it was either two thousand ten, uh, two thousand eight, or two thousand twelve team that you had uh, Tayshawn Prince. You're going to uh, need a couple um, utility guys, uh, some team players. So I don't think Brandon Ingram's uh, going to make the squad. Um, I, I think. I the- mean, I can see Brunson, Jackson Jr., Edwards, Bridges, Halliburton, uh, Bonkett. Halliburton, yes. The, the ones that I just named are likely on the team. Um, ones that could play their way with, you know, a good NBA season. Uh, and finishing out strong with the gold medal here uh, would likely mm-hmm. be Brandon Ingram uh, and and likely Walker Kessler. So, like, a couple of these guys who are on here are on here for the long haul, right? And and one of the reasons why the, the NBA and Team USA view this as the right move is that the reason why the international teams seemingly have jumped up in, in competition is that they are able to grow and build their national team for, you know, a good 12 to 15 year stretch. Whereas the NBA, they really have to rely on the schedule of the players. Right. So you lose a little bit of the, the camaraderie and the chemistry long term. And we've always been able to out athlete and out skill everybody. Um, they now realize we can no longer do that. You have Jokic, you have Luka, you have Giannis, you have these players who are now equal to and better than a lot of NBA players. So this is a long-term plan. I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't like the first foray into uh, the, the actual change of how the U.S. will handle basketball in the future permanently. Well, I guess real I, big stuff. So, okay. So I agree with you about the long-term approach. I think a lot of the players that we're seeing on the FIBA team now they're part of that long-term approach where I would see that, okay, I wouldn't be surprised if 70% of these players are on the team in 28. Now, Brandon Ingram, I'll disagree with you here. I think when he made, and I spoke about this earlier in the Twitter space, I think when he was making the comment about where he was expressing frustration, even though the team was winning, um, I think it was just like, okay, that's not a that's to me that's not a good thing because Team USA has always been about buying in. Now I know Anthony Davis made a I mean excuse me Anthony Edwards made a, a similar comment where he was like uh you know uh, you know, when Steve Kerr told him yeah you know you know Dwayne Wade started off you know um, he was on the bench you know um, he didn't start because he was behind Kobe and Anthony Edwards said oh well we don't have a Kobe on the squad. Um, Anthony Edwards, you can argue that he's the best player um, on this uh, Team USA thing. Brandon Ingram, for him to express frustration to the press, but also he hasn't played that well, I think that's that's not a good look. And then you think, well, how frustrating is he going to be if LeBron, Steph, Anthony Davis, um, 
maybe no, I, Kevin I, Durant. I, I get what you're saying. I, I would disagree. Um, you go from being the man uh, to being a bench player is, is already hard enough, right? Uh, you, it's, it's a different environment. It's a different type of play. But more importantly, like Brandon Ingram's game is a rhythm game. And he has not been able to look or feel really comfortable in many of these games, really, uh, in terms of how he's getting into his flow. In fact, this was probably his best game because we were down so much. Kerr realized, like, there's no point in not playing everybody, right? Like, it could have been different. It could have been Mike Krzyzewski, and Krzyzewski could have kept the same eight people out there, right? But enter Brandon Ingram, and then when you saw him have extended time, you saw him get into his game, and he was able to actually manipulate the Lithuanian defense based on his his range, his size, and his ability to attack the you know high mid range, which is why I was actually kind of surprised like that that Kerr didn't put Ingram and Mikhail Bridges in and let them play you know a two man game because that's actually what they really excelled in, and it's what was Lithuania was giving up. Um, which is, again, why I, I would disagree. The outset of, of a healthy team is having players feeling empowered enough to actually vent their frustrations in a constructive manner. And I don't see anything that Brandon Ingram said, the way he said it, or the way he appeared when he said it, that really shows anybody's like being super disgruntled and upset. He's just venting his normal frustrations. And if you look at, you know, how the Warriors are run and how the Heat are run, that they get a lot of levity and, and, and wiggle room throughout the, throughout the season. So, like, this is really Kerr and Eric Spolster, who's number two, really allowing their players to express who they are freely. And, and I'm, I'm 100% behind that. That's true. That, that is very true because I know the co- because of this new regi- regime, they're also like um, creating a culture. So I, I'm with you there. You did say something that, you know, and it's been a topic of conversation we've been having, uh, PGM has been having online because we've been pissing some people off. So you said Reeve Sanity. Um, <laughs> why, why do you, why are you like the rest of the NBA fan base and hate, uh, hate Austin Reeves? Like what? I, I don't. Like, that's the problem, is I don't hate Austin Reeves. I hate the fans who are making Austin Reeves into something he is not. Let the man develop his professional game. How many games in the NBA has he played? How many international games has he played? I think you're asking the wrong questions, though. I think you're asking the wrong questions. It's not how many games. You guys are treating him as if he's arrived and his game is complete. Like we're not saying his game, game is complete, complete, but we're just saying, look what it's not how many games he has played. It's what he has done in those games. Like he was at times, he was the second best player and the second most consistent player. Right now? Yes, I do. Now the thing is, I just have to fun. ask because it doesn't sound like it. It's just that you just, just said want... that a man on a team with, Anthony Davis and LeBron James was at times the second best. Hey, player. look, there was a period of time in the in the playoffs where Anthony Davis was was uh, taking even games off. He would he would do well one, three, five, and seven, 
or and then take two, four, six do, off. But do you hear what you're saying? Look, we just we the people need to know what do you have against the white cobra? I, I don't have anything against Austin Reeves. Again, I think he's a good player. I just would like for him to develop his game more. I said completely. white cobra. I said the I white heard. cobra. Wait, what, what do you mean? I said Austin Reeves. No, white cobra. Yeah, all right. Reeves' sanity is when you have a certain section of Lakers fans who will just not maintain a level of decorum. And then they exceed what would be considered like all rationality, like you just did. But it's totally cool because it's your fandom. Like, so if if Austin Reeves were to hit me up and say, "Yo, what, what what's your issue with me?" I'd tell him like, "Absolutely nothing. I think you're a good player. What I would like for you to see you do is develop, you know, better defense one on one." I'd like to see you be able to actually man up in the post a little bit more because that's the position he's going to be put in. Right? Like, you saw it a little bit last year. You just saw it today with Lithuania. Every team saw it. So, like, my problem with Austin Reeves isn't Austin Reeves. It's the fan. Like, let him develop. Like, I, I don't I don't see how that's such a hard thing to do. The issue is you want to get something, like, emotionally attached. You want something to uh, rev you up and get you excited. What you should be excited is for a healthy LeBron James and a healthy Anthony Davis with an improved Austin Reeves, with an improved Jackson Hayes, who can be a valued low-end pickup, right? That's what you should be excited about. Making this all Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, it's Austin World or whatever it is. Like, do you really think he likes that? Like, I, I mean, come on. Well, you don't think him. you don't think Ant Reed? Oh, please! Ant Edwards is looking at him every day in practice, laughing, laughing well, because he's of about people to... who call him him. You realize that if the if the if the FIBA World Cup was over the course of six weeks instead of like two, you know they're ready to they're ready to uh, elect him emperor. So wait, 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 wait. Let, let me let me interject here for for one second because you said something interesting because we we all saw the clip of of Edward saying Austin him Austin him yeah. yeah yeah no yeah. We, we we saw it but my question is and, and and this is this is a legit question because again I am example a you can look at my timeline of just the the Austin insanity or whatever you oh, want to yeah. call it Re- is Reeves yeah. sanity. Reeves sanity, yeah. There, there, there. You go. So, one question that I that I really do have. So, by saying that Edwards is laughing at him, would He's you not consider laughing at him because of I know, I know, no, no, I I know. But to a certain point, like I've never seen a white boy say on national TV or saying like I'm him, I'm him, I'm him. That's one and two to be repetitive about it, and three. To have the lens of basically a game, a game go ahead basket, a late game push, a winning play consistently, consistently. Because, like, to be fair and to be honest, his tell you to go back and look at Dan Marley. No, yeah, sure. But what I'm trying to get at is it's not that he has a 50 point game, it's not like he has a 40 point game, he has like a 10 and 10, uh, you know, not 10, a, a 10 and 2 or a 10 and 
three game or or less. But it's 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 the thing that he kind of just does the winning play or does like the just the simple basketball, like he does the right play. Yes, and I love that about him. Exactly, and And y'all are hyping him up for it. The thing is, and this and this is is my point. Just admitted it. I admitted it. I prevised fundamental basketball. One question: I didn't I preface the fact that the dude is literally saying I'm him, and phrases to 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 the dust. It's like I'm just saying. Have you not watched Tyler Hero? Oh no, Tyler Hero is a different animal. (laughs) Tyler Hero goes out there and says I'm him too. Hey, a different level of Anderson. Chris Bird Anderson would flush on a putback and tell people I'm him. Like, okay, now, now, now wait. Hey, wait, wait, hold on. And I say this respectfully. There was a reason why Birdman was suspended. No, I mean, I I can go back in the history of the NBA and pull out white players from the 50s and 60s who talk trash. I can do it in the 70s and 80s. I can do it in the 90s and 2000s. Trash talking has existed. Okay, look, he's a white boy with some swag. Now, this is my thing. Let me tell you why. Jason Williams also, by the way, would tell you he was him. Okay. After he put okay. you on your butt. So, okay. so here's the, okay. So here's the thing with Jason Williams. Oh, um, okay. Until right. he so until he does his ancestry in me, uh, oh. until that's documented, I I cannot believe he like his roots all come from uh, Europe. Yeah. Just right. shout out to uh, <laughs> that's a different beast. Okay, there's levels I'm to this. I'm just saying. I've now given you multiple multiple examples. And the only thing that you two have said that is actually okay, true so, is what so, okay, so let me, said. Okay. He makes the winning basketball. Play. So, Chris, let me ask you this. Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves and Trey Young. Who's the better defender? Oh, God, no. That's actually a very interesting question because Trey Young is a better defender than what he's given credit for, but it's because his defensive responsibilities are different. One-on-one, if he's trying to, to guard you, like, he's just diminutive compared to the average NBA physicality, right? However, when you look at him as playing the passing lanes and actually, you know, trying to just move the ball away from where, the you know, the player is trying to position himself, he's actually a very decent defender. Steph had the same problem, right? It took Steph about four or five years to get to league average. Guess what? Trey Young, four or five years, he's about at league average. Like, that's just kind of what it is. The difference between him and Austin Reeves is that Trey Young, for now, and maybe this changes, has a better basketball IQ, right? It's not a it's not a knock on Austin Reeves. He's got a high IQ. That's not that's not you know I'm not saying he's dumb, but there's there's prescience in the NBA, and Austin Reeves doesn't have that just yet because he doesn't have the requisite experience to say, I've seen this set multiple times. I know there's a 70% chance in the back of my head that pass is about to go, oh, there it is, and then shoot and get it, right? So Mm -hmm. Austin does a really good job of playing fundamental defense and doing what the coaching staff has him set up to do, to play within the system, right? Go watch Trey Young. Trey Young's told, if you see the pass in the lane, run, go, get it. That's it. 
and and that's why it's kind of hard to to compare them. Yeah, it's but different if, responsibilities. Yeah, if you're going into it and you just walk into the gym, you're automatically going to assume Austin Reeves is a better defender. He's bigger. He's stronger. That's mm-hmm. simple, right? But in the entirety of defense, they're probably closer than a lot of people think. But Trey is still probably slightly ahead. Oh, okay. okay, so even slightly ahead for a franchise player compared to a guy who at the beginning of last season he was struggling to get minutes on the floor. Bro, just saying. You just said bro. that he's not. He hasn't played that many games. What? What? Why? Why? Why are you making yourself sound worse on this? Like you're not helping yourself here. No. Like, look, you, you, you're acting like you have to be a two way player in the NBA to be. No, a franchise I'm not. Say, look, look. Here, first of all. Using Trey, comparing Trey Young, you did uh, that. For, I compare Trey. I yes, yes, I compare Trey Young. Look, this is the thing with Austin Reeves. To me, this is why. This is why it, we're we're having fun with this. Now, on a serious note, I have yet to see. I can't remember the last time. Now, most players, you'll see when they have taken jumps from year to year, and they and you can see, oh wow, they really worked on this during the off season. One thing I appreciate about Austin Reeves. Is that from the his trajectory from game one to I and you can even say game eighty three because you know we did the Lakers did play a play in game. I think he had one hell of a trajectory for him to, you know, obviously we had a way different team with Westbrook and uh, Pat Bev and all of that. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. Um, he went from being a guy who was what probably number nine on the depth chart. To by the end of the season, he was a st- he was a starting two guard, and you can say that when it came when it came to being consistent and being reliable, I would probably put him at three. I put him at number three on our squad ahead of D'Angelo Russell. So that's me. Yeah, he's a white boy with swag. The NBA probably been want needing a, or wanting a white superstar, a white American superstar for a minute. We're having fun with it. It's just interesting that it's just like even on the FIBA Cup, like we've been pissing uh, Atlanta Hawk fans off. I just tell people, I said, man, just interesting. Austin Reeves is scoring buckets on a team that Trey Young is her, been heard complaining that he didn't make. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so can I can I go to a different subject? Just just a just a minor detour, Zen. Is 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 that okay? Of course, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I've I've asked this question to to other play, so you know, to to other people. I've gotten three different responses, but I wanted to hear your response. What is Austin Reeves' ceiling, and is he close to it now? Jeff Hornacek, and yes. Okay. Yeah. And that is a different answer. <laughs> I've heard Mano Ginobili, and I heard no. no. I've heard um, what was the other one that I that I heard? Uh, Pistol Pete, I think, was no. one. Uh, <laughs> Definitely and, not. Uh, hey, I'm just again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just having fun yeah. with this one because I've heard I've heard so many uh, different comparisons for this young man. Um, and, and I feel kind of uh, bad, but if you 
if you just go back and you look at Jeff Hornacek and you look at his career trajectory uh, versus Austin Reeves, you, you will be pleasantly surprised. Like, literally. You can do it right now. You can look up what the paper boy uh, put up, and you, you will be surprised. He put up 14 uh, points, mean. three rebounds, five assists, 50% from the floor, 40 from three. That's yeah. that's Austin Reeves paper, right there, right now, boy. isn't it? That's the well, that was boy. that was Hornacek's nickname. Oh, okay. It's Paperboy. Or Horny because of Hornacek. And <laughs> I think he was also called um he had another one. I can't remember. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, stat wise, that seems to be the that's it's not even stat wise. Go 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 look at Jeff Hornacek's mm-hmm. shooting stroke. Go look at his uh, fundamental play, right? Like it, it is a style of basketball that Austin Reeves learned when he was growing up uh, that you don't necessarily see from top AAU players. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, that's a good point. But uh, next game for Team USA is against Italy on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, by the time you hear this drop. Team USA hopefully would have won against uh, Italy. Um, I if they lose, someone had to have been injured. Like I just do not see any chance that Italy has in, in beating USA on on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you there. Uh, real quick, just a very uh, quick shout out to South Sudan. Uh, they earned their Olympic bid. Uh, shout out to former Lakers Luol Deng and Wenyan Gabriel. Um, Wenyan has been he's been killing it, and Luol Deng he actually took over the South Su- uh, South Sudan program, um, and even to the point where he's financing it out of his own pocket. I mean, a lot of it out of his own pocket. So, shout out to them. Always good to see former Lakers. Um, to, I, uh, I got it. I've got to keep a shout out too. Uh, I want to shout out Japan. Uh, yes, first win over a European opponent and also first Olympic berth. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh no Paris is it's gonna be fun in Paris next year. Um, some other Your news. Boy Rui looking good. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Rui looking Ab- good. Y- Rui, Rui, uh, you know that's the Black Samurai. He's doing his thing. Um. Hey, some uh, some other news that's uh, you know, we're gonna get to Trey Young in a second. We're gonna get back to Trey Young in a second because you know there was some rumblings regarding him. But hey, one thing that did happen this week, not to the Lakers, and I want to ask you guys if that was a mistake. Uh, Javel McGee, he was um, he cleared waivers uh, from the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday, and the next day he signed with the Kings, with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Tony, you know, then we get to Chris. You think that was a mistake by us not to sign him? No, we are in need of a big man. You don't think so? No, I mean, it's no, uh, no, no. I, I have more. I actually like, like Jackson Hayes, and we kind of need a different skill set to be totally honest. And I feel like what I saw in Dallas isn't what we need, but um, I don't know what the Lakers are going to do because we do need a center. We do need like we do need to fill that position. But yeah, uh, Javale wasn't ever in my radar. It's 
yeah. Neither mine. I was always, you know, you know, Tony, I've been leaning towards Biombo. I think he would be a better fit. I think he also adds a level of physicality that uh, the Lakers uh, need. So uh, hopefully that's where we, you know, that's the direction that we'll go in. Uh, Chris, uh, how you feel about I'm, the uh, King side of McGee? And then do you I'm, think I'm, the Lakers I'm made a mistake? Actually, I'm actually uh, on the mistake side here. Okay. Yeah. Please elaborate. Um, it takes it takes a specific type of player to play with LeBron James, and and um, Javale's been able to do that successfully twice. Like it's really difficult to change your game once you're at a certain space in your career, right? Uh, you see D'Lo having this problem right now. You saw it last year in real time, which is why it's leading you to say that Austin Reeves is better than him when he's not. But I digress. Um, JaVale would give a sense of comfort and and a better understanding of what role needed to be completed to best unlock uh, Anthony Davis for LeBron James, right? So, like, if you get into a moment like you're playing Denver and you're going to need to run a two-big lineup, he works because he allows AD to be pushed out to the four. He feels a little bit more comfortable. And you're going to get you know, the understanding of where JaVale needs to be in the offense to set the screens for uh, LeBron and D'Lo and Austin Reed. So I think, like, if you're giving him to be your, your second big or third big 10 to 15 minutes, you know, yeah, I, I think the, the Lakers are going to find it difficult to find a big that was a better fit. It's not a lot out there. Like, it's there's really not. No, so, yeah, no, sorry. I just – I. Full disclosure, like full disclosure, I was actually just because I just clicked the link of, of the Puerto Rican basketball and their loss to Italy, and I didn't know that. I didn't know it was that bad, and it's kind of cool that I didn't know. I'm just saying, but shout out to the team. How bad was it, Tony? I don't want to talk about it. Um, By the way, yeah, you, you, you want to know what the best singers available are right now? Not good. Bismack Biombo, Sergi Baca, Boban Marjanovic, and uh, maybe Dwayne Dem. Oh, Bojan. Maybe, maybe Dwayne Dem. Oh my God, it's it, it's. It, but here's the thing: like, I I get your point, Chris, specifically with with like the playing. Like, I get it. It's just, I don't know. Y'all gonna end up bringing Tristan Thompson back. I think so. It's it's going to be Tristan Thompson. It's going to be beyond. Who would you rather have, have? JaVale McGee or Tristan Thompson? Be honest, Rebel. Uh, oh, no. I would look. Here's the thing with uh, JaVale McGee. Biombo was my preference since, since uh, you know, we've been needing to fill the spot. If JaVale and I, you know, had many conversations with Tony and other Laker fans, if we would have signed JaVale McGee, I would have been perfectly fine with it because. Once again, we're talking about it's not JaVel McGee that was splitting time with Dwight Howard in 2020. This is a JaVel McGee that, like you said, would 10, maybe 15 minutes a game. It would be, it will, and even a lot of times, you'll probably see sometimes that he'll uh, come into the game for five seconds just for a rebound, or it would be something situational. Also, true professional, like a true professional. He already won the title with the Lakers. So, um, and then if you also want to say that he could have a leadership role 
and uh, be a calming voice in the um, locker room, I'm with it. So I was not against it. I would have been perfectly fine with it. And I was in the minority. So now, you know, and then I will also, I'll even say this. The fact that he was unsigned for a day is very telling. That's, you know, guys were waiting on him. So, um, you know, I prefer Biombo, but hey, you know, uh, I don't like that he's back in the same division. Well, the, what the Lakers should do now is go after uh, Usman Garuba, uh, who was released by the Thunder. Yep, it should. That's what why they, should they why why they have it. The, so I, I, don't, I don't know what have, they're up to. So that's they they can only go one route. So it's like, well, what are you winning at? I, I don't know. Oh, well, they, they they are likely unable to do anything currently. Um, are they? So teams teams uh, value flexibility over everything uh, with the new collective bargaining agreement. So, like, let's say you bring him in here, um, you're going to have to give up some of your potential future flexibility. And if you're not necessarily sure you're going to be able to invest the time it's going to take to, you know, develop him at the pro level, then you're also taking a spot at the G League level. So if they already have a set of three or four guys at the G League, that they really want to put their time and development towards because maybe Castleton is your answer, I said. Then adding him would take away flexibility, take away resources to, to potential development of another player they might already be working on. Uh, and, and it's small things like this throughout the league that GMs and president of player personnel actually have a, a complete new office that was you know uh, born out of like advanced metrics in uh, a hybrid type of scouting thing, like Dr. Catherine Evans does it for the uh, the Wizards in DC. Like all these teams do this every day. So, so like it's not just the Lakers, but you have Minnesota, you have Miami. Like every team is doing this. So, what ends up happening is agents get word, teams get word, player might be released. We see JaVale McGee. Likely the deal's already done, right, prior to even the execution of the administrative function. And the only only thing that stops that is another team putting it on waivers. But nobody wanted to pick up JaVale's contract, right? So if you do all that just to pick up Usman Garuba, like, it literally could freeze out any potential trades that they might have as early as Thanksgiving or Christmas. Maybe they want to be in a position where they can pick up a vet on a potential three-team deal with Portland and Miami or Philadelphia and Houston and the Clippers. Um, but you don't know. All you do know is if you go get that one player right now, you won't have that potentiality. And and that's really hard for fans to wrap their heads around and gauge uh, because that's not anything teams just going to come out and say through their PR or social department, right? No, that's that's no, that's no, that's totally true. Um, I try – like I've I've been trying since last season to view. Again, I do my my I do my fair share of trolling, but I try to view it more as the business side. Like I'm I'm intrigued. I'm if anything, the NBA has a bewitching. Like it's I'm really at when it comes to the CBA, when it comes to the to to really the nitty gritty stuff, like the behind the doors. Like I'm I, I'm curious and I want to learn more, but. 
the one thing is like and and this is laker specific but it's like they're they're hard capped they only have a, a minor slot it's not like they have this huge space to be like oh we can offer you no they technically can and the only way they can do it is via trade which is what you were alluding to maybe somebody falls out they can be involved probably as the fourth team which yeah. is hard to fi- is hard to figure out but maybe they're in the receiving end of a player because that's the only way they can a- a- allocate currently right. so they, they 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 don't they don't have this the the cap space so that is a good question that 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 is a good an analysis and i do and i do agree that that could be the possibility and also like in a macro sense of this like the roster's already done to a certain point like you already have your main guys so so it's so it's like you're talking about the 14th and 15th guy like it's how much playing time are you gonna allocate to them too like it's 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 not like this is gonna be the centerpiece for a rotate for the a man rotation or nine man rotation. You're you're just no, looking what, at depth. What what it is is an insurance policy uh, to Jackson Hayes not being able to develop. It's an insurance policy to avoid having to run Jared Vanderbilt at the five. It's an insurance policy to having to bring back Tristan Thompson. Like that's all it is. Which by the way. If you're going to bring back Tristan Thompson, you might as well brought back JaVale McGee, right? Like, so, again, there's All a right. trade there. Yeah. And and it's just that fans cannot wrap their heads around it. And we live in, in, in a guttural, visceral existence as a fan, and you want your info now, right? Like, that's all this is. But in reality, Rob Polinka has done a phenomenal job in not only extending the window, but maybe even generating a complete transition from the the LeBron playing era. Like, it is phenomenal when you really get into the weeds what what he's been able to do. And I think part of the problem, though, is that Lakers fans will put unrealistic and undue expectations on specific players to their detriment. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, that we. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you don't. Yeah, yeah. zero idea. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of unrealistic expectations, or maybe it is. Here's one hell of a transition. Want to go back to uh, talking about Trey Young? A few days ago, you know, it's a couple of reports uh, floating around on Twitter that um, Trey Young um, is someone that's on the Lakers' radar. And they chose to go with continuity um, this summer. But, you know, what are your thoughts, Trey? You know, now, I will like to add before I get back to you, Chris. <laughs> last time we saw Trey Young, he was at the crypto arena watching Austin Reeves play. Now, Chris, how do you, like, you know, Trey Young on the Lakers, uh, You is that something you see happening? Do you even think that's a good move? Um. I, I never say never. Uh, the Lakers are always and will always be a star organization. Um, it is embedded in their fabric. Like Coach, uh, sorry, Dr. Jerry Bush and, and Coach Pat Riley really ingrained that with Magic Johnson, right? Like anything you, anytime you really think of the Lakers, you think of star players. Like the idea of the, the baby Lakers was never going to work. I, 
I remember that draft, and I was laughing up and down. Two reasons. Two reasons why I was laughing, right? One, uh, LeVar Ball. Two, the Los Angeles Lakers fans. Like, it was just phenomenal, right? If Trey Young were to go to the Lakers, does that make them a destination for another superstar? That's the question that you need to actually answer if you want to talk about Trey Young for the Lakers. So when we look at Trey Young so far in his career in Atlanta, the only star that he's able to he was able to bring in uh, was DeJounte Murray, and that was via trade. So we don't even really know if that necessarily was um, a recruitment or was that, hey, this is probably the best situation that's available to me on the DJM side, right? So – that's really the problem. No one really knows. Are there other players that say, man, I want to team up with Trey. If Trey hits me up and says, I'm going to LA and I want you to come with me. Is he pulling a Brandon? Is he going to get another player to pull this off for the Lakers? Cause you got to understand you can't do this. Just bringing him in. You got to bring in that second dude. And that's the problem. Cause I don't think Jalen Brown wants to play you know, with, with Trey Young. I don't think Jason Tatum wants to play with Trey Young. This isn't anything against Trey Young. It's just that's not that type of style that they play. So you have to start going down the rosters in the NBA and say, man, who can Trey Young really team up with? Who does he have that relationship with? And I got to tell you, I don't see him in L.A. No, I don't see a second major. I, I don't see him. I don't see him in L.A., I don't want him in L.A. Um, I got to even check if we won those games that he was in the <laughs> arena uh, when he came to watch Austin Reeves play. Be- your 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 anti uh, Trey Young agenda, man. Is- no, no, oh, this is the problem with. Okay, no, this is the problem that I have, and I'll, I'm gonna keep it real. Uh, you know, like I have been throughout this. So I just don't like that every single. I know there is. Look, I know behind the scenes you have agents and teams have relationships. It just seems that every single time there's a clutch client that is like, cause you know, we know Trey, you know, there's some been some reports of him being disgruntled. It seems like every single time there's a tr- clutch player that uh, could be moved or rumored to be moved. It's like, Oh yeah, he's on the Lakers radar. And I'm looking at Trey young. It's like ridiculous. It's like, we only deal with oh. one agent throughout the like, NBA. First, let's also not um, leave the the untalked about part in the room, right? We're in the middle of the off season. It was the dead end of August, and there's a guy who is required to make certain amount of engagement for a media organization that pays his paycheck. Yes, that is true. That is very said. True. Individual, by the way, may receive a DM to just be part of. You know, maybe maybe a future podcast or. Yeah, yeah, let's have a conversation. We, we, individual. Said individual, yes. But we said all know individual. which individual so, we're so talking I'm, about. I'm not, I'm not mad at it, right? But it's a very convenient tweet and a very convenient article. That's that's you it. know this is I'll I'm gonna ask this is why I don't this is why I'm I'm not a fan of Trey Young coming to my team. One, we have a coach that has a fetish for short point guards. So, no. 
we see we've seen that disaster. We do not want another short point guard. Also, Trey Young, he's a volume shooter. So when I'm thinking of and not the most accurate, yes, he can hit from distance. Yes, when he gets into a zone, yes, Ice Trey, I'm with you. I saw what he did uh, against my hometown team. I was born in the Bronx uh, against the Knicks in the playoff series. I'm I'm well aware, but I'm like, all right, he's not that he's. To me, I think he's below average defensively. He's a he's also a volume shooter. He's going to come to this squad and be a second role play, a second guy, or be a number two guy, maybe a number three, depending on how we structure a team. To Anthony Davis, so it's like, okay, you're going to oh, be a no, volume. No, 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 no. Anthony Davis wouldn't be a Laker uh, if, if if that were to happen. Absolutely. So no, we got we got our franchise guy. Wait, I don't wait, see. Wait, 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 wait. No, I don't want it. Wait what? a minute. Wait a minute. Are we just gonna ignore that? So, so no Anthony way. Davis is not a Laker in in that scenario. Correct. Hundred percent. Being being that he's under contract like three years, you're saying we're training him for who? You would say. Well, how are you gonna get Trey Young? Thank you. That. Like yeah. tell no, me. no, no, makes <laughs> makes perfect sense. No, makes yeah. perfect so, sense. Like yeah. the, the the contracts yeah. line up, and then when you look at it, when you look at it, the projected timeline of Trey Young coming would actually coincide with both LeBron and AD leaving. Yeah. Like just by the contract by himself. We're not trading him. We're not trading Austin. Probably oh. would. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it, for salary purposes, yeah, you you probably would. So well, and by the way, what? I, I, I I I have to say. I think a lot of people really have Trey Young wrongly judged here. Um, he can, you can shoot a lot of shots, and it's volume because you're shooting a lot of shots. That doesn't necessarily make you a volume scorer. He's not out there being Clay Thompson, okay? Like I like Clay, but Clay's actually a volume scorer. It's all he does. He doesn't facilitate. He doesn't really rebound. He used to play elite defense. Now he does some good and sometimes to. not good. But he's a volume shooter because he's someone you have to scheme to get 18 to 20 shots per game. Very true. Very so, you're, so you're like, right about that. When, when you look at it like that, then Trey isn't a volume shooter. He's a volume facilitator because all his facilitation comes off of the shot. Yeah. Right. So he uses the shots to manipulate and warp the defense to open up better passing lanes. And he's probably a top five passer in the league. And a lot of people just don't like it. Like, hey. seriously. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And real quick, before we uh, move on, I want to give a shout out to uh, LeVar Ball. Uh, hopefully, you know what, sooner than later, I'm sure he'll be a guest on our podcast. I don't know if you guys seen his new shoes that he just uh it was a picture of him today as uh before we were recording this. He has some new mm. shoes came out. Let me tell you what it looks like. And I'm not making fun of it because I'm actually intrigued. Just imagine if uh uh you got the crocs, right? You know, croc shoes. Imagine if a crocs and a onion slicer had a baby. That's what the shoes would look like. And I'm looking at it and I'm just like those look comfortable so just saying hey shout out shout out to lavar ball big baller brand 
uh, King of Chino Hills. Um, you know, now he also makes good pancakes. Chris, just that should tell you something, right? <laughs> That's well, <laughs> you know what? Um, that you know, really should tell you something. Hey, hey, you know, we'll we'll let the listeners decide what it's telling us. But you know what? Look, uh, this is episode nine of the podcast of Meeting of the Gold Mines, and I remember, you know, Chris is someone that we've always has always been gracious to us and always shared knowledge, always uh, gave us his time. And I remember um, for episode five, if you know, listeners remember and go back in our uh, archives to check it out. Um. Episode five, we called it hashtag five and it's over. And it was, uh, you know, the the conversation was who needs the fifth ring more between Steph Curry and LeBron James. And the reason why I brought that up is because the first person I reached out to was Chris. And he was like, nah, uh, not the best conversation. They don't need the five rings. The legacy is always is already cemented. And the cool thing about that, and I definitely it was a blessing in disguise. It it was just like, hmm, okay. Challenge. It challenge it challenged us to say, okay, let's what would be a worthwhile conversation with Chris? And I said, Well, shit, we're both, you know, in the business of you know, we're both we're all, we're both fans of the league. We're both fans of you know the NBA basketball, and we took our we both took our fandom, or we all took our fandom, Tony, and as well the rest of the PGM team, just like uh, Chris, who has hoop spaces, which I feel is, I feel hoop spaces is pioneering, and um, a lot of folks, if folks are smart, they're looking at hoop spaces as like really you know, the pioneer in this fan created, especially with NBA Twitter, fan created, you know, platforms. And so it's like, hey, you know, what? let's talk about what we do, why we do it, how we're doing it, and the importance of what we're doing. Um, and when, you know, reach back out to Chris, and he said, yeah, he said, yeah, let's let's have this conversation. So because I think you know, there's a lot of folks that have these platforms, Chris. Um, unlike yourself, unlike what we're doing with PGM, um, they don't really necessarily treat it as a business and really see the importance of it. You know, I I know you get this all the time, but I get a lot of folks. We get a lot of folks that hit us up all the time and say, "Man, I love listening to you guys. You guys are just like it's unbiased. It's um, you know, you guys just keeping it real." It's not influenced by, you know, by whatever third party or outside, you know, influences. So, you know, Chris, I want to ask you, right? You know, because we're going to get into the platform uh, and, the, you know, the fan created, fan driven platforms. But let's talk about hoops for a second. Like, what's your earliest memory of the game of basketball or the NBA? Um. The earliest memory I have of the game of basketball is the Boston Celtics versus versus Detroit Pistons game 1987. Uh, I was five years old. I was uh, spending the holidays uh, with my grandmother. She had uh, moved in. She had gotten in a car accident and moved in so that uh, 
because she had to do rehab. She wasn't going to be able to live by herself uh, for until rehab was over. Um, and I couldn't sleep. My parents were out, uh, and, and I kept, you know, coming downstairs. Uh, and people have to remember that the NBA at this time it wasn't really it wasn't really televised uh, the way it is today. I, it was really tape delay. I so we also uh, rented a VCR because you had to rent VCRs back then. Oh, um, wow. yes! Wow! <laughs> Don't age yourself. Yeah. Um, so she recorded the recorded tape delay, right? And so, like, I'm watching a game that she couldn't watch that was two weeks old, but it was the first game uh, that I have ever watched. And then uh, in terms of, of playing basketball, I actually didn't even play basketball uh, until I was a teenager. I actually taught myself how to play playing against grown men. Um, my dad was in the military. Uh, he was a first sergeant, and, and I would go to the gym with him on base. So I'd be playing with, you know, 20 to 35-year-old soldiers as, as a 12 or 13-year-old. And, and I, I learned that um, because where we moved to at the time, there wasn't any baseball fields. And I grew up playing baseball. Like, I was I was a second baseman, a shortstop, and a pitcher. Like, I, I played baseball almost every day uh, until 12 years old. Um, so the only avenue to play sports in my neighborhood was either pick up, you know, football. No, well, not big football. I mean, I, I I was a fan for a while, but I've moved off of it. Uh, or basketball. And and I remember the very first time I tried to play, I was really made fun of, viciously. Like it was bad. Um, and I used that to make myself, you know, into a, a decent player. Um, by the time you know, I graduated high school. Like I was playing with the regular varsity team. Like I, I've been able to uh, grow and and understand basketball from a wide angle of um, passions. Like the military is a melting pot, even more so than the country. So like when I was growing up, also learning, I was learning about the history of every team because every every person has their favorite team. Right? Who doesn't want to talk about their favorite team? Going back to, to what you were saying in terms of the platform. So, like, even back then, my first exposure in playing the game of basketball and learning about the passion of basketball really was nothing more than, than the beginning steps of a journey that now uh, is producing content, right? Like, so what, what I found is um, looking back at my life, basketball had been there um, twice. In, in, in childhood um, at influential times. Uh, once when I, again, when I was five, when I first saw it for the first time, right? Never really understood, never knew that basketball was that type of sport, right? Uh, and then again, when I was a teenager. Then the, the major part came um, after uh, the military, the, the United States Army retired me because um, they, they said that I, I had done enough and I could no longer serve. Uh, they they gave me a, a flag and a plaque and an award and shook my hand and told me to go home. Um, and I had a very difficult time adjusting into civilian life. Uh, I'm a combat vet, um, and I remember vividly sitting on my father's recliner, uh, not being able to sleep, feeling extremely depressed, and I was watching uh, actually the Lakers and the Kings. And, and it was the first time um, that I could connect to something uh, 
uh, from my past in an emotional way, right? Um, and that kind of allowed me to learn how to rediscover passion, which is an extremely important part for, for any vet um, who's a combat vet and, and deals with post-traumatic stress uh, disorder as well as some other mental health issues is the, the loss and ability to uh, feel an emotive connection. And, and that was really, I think, the very beginning of uh, my personal healing time, right? And it's taken years, really, to even get to, like, where I am now. But, like, as I sit here, um, I am very gracious to the game of basketball. I don't need to be a professional player to have this graciousness. I don't need to be a coach. Uh, all I need to be is a fan because the game itself has impacted my life so much in a positive way. You know, man, that's, that was dope. Um, you know, for me, there's a reason why I asked you that question because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people forget and, you know, that we love this game, that this is something that we genuinely love and it, it's emotional uh, sometimes you could even say that, well, I'm 36 years old. Um, I could say that shit outside of the one with my parents, my relationship with the game of basketball is probably my longest one. Yeah. And, and then from that relationship, because you love it so much, you have passion for it. You're going to find a way for it to be part of your life. Um, and you're going to nurture that relationship like any good relationship. And, you know, for me, uh, when it comes to, you know, my first introduction to basketball, it was actually game six of 93 finals. So I was, I had to be six years old, you know, Jordan ended the fourth quarter, Jordan passed to Paxson, you know, we know the deal. Um, but then when I start really getting into it, you know, you know, my pops, you know, my pops is uh, from Jamaica. He came here in 19. He came from Jamaica to the, to the U S to the States. Um, yeah, he came to the States, um, in 1972. And when he came to the States, first person he saw at the airport and it, he was wondering why there was a crowd around him it was willis reed then he saw him on tv and he that's how he fell in love so the knicks has always been a team that um i've loved and my first my first real memory when i fell into fell in love with the game of basketball and the nba was 94 finals um you know my dad was rooting my dad was rooting for the knicks also is a big deal. Patrick Ewan from Jamaica, you know, just like, yo, got to win. Ultimately lost to the Rockets. Dream dream was on a different level. Lost in seven plus, you know, uh, I, special, special love and con shout out to um, John Starks for what he did in that fourth quarter. But, you know, that's how I fell in love with the game of basketball. Um, you know, what I want to ask you um how do you feel about this the, the evolving landscape between mainstream media, then you have player media, driven created media like you know 
Draymond Green, you know, he called it new media. You have Paul George has his uh, podcast. How do you feel about the the landscape that's evolving between, you know, the fan-driven media, player media, mainstream media? Um, there's, there's definitely friction. Um, when I, I remember when I started, like I, I actually, uh, <laughs> and I still do, sometimes it's called a plan because that, that, that there's an idea of, of the inability to be, um, independent. And, and I think that's really where a large crux of the problem is. Because when you look at mainstream media, like, they are independent. Like, if you are a journalist and you are getting a paycheck by an entity, your independence is tied directly to the dependency of the paycheck. You lose your independence. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are a shill, right? It just means that you no longer have the freedom to really say exactly what you want all the time. Um, and then that creates a problem because they have all the access. So they have the access, but in order to get said access, they then have to then be dependent upon the team and the player. So now you are dependent on the organization that pays your paycheck. Now you're also dependent upon the player and the organization. Um, that has always been how the power structure has been. From Showtime era on up, right? And and really, the, the Lakers and the Cowboys and the Yankees, like, these are professional teams that are really the root causes of this, right? The popular, successful teams, because they bogart access right? You can, you, you got to be credentialed, but then they only give the credentials to the people who are going to tell, you know, the positive and only the good. And so we had that structure for 20 years. And then an amazing thing happened. It was called the internet. And back when we had dial-up internet, an amazing thing happened. Somebody created a room where you could go in there and type words. And then that was actually the beginning of what we're seeing today. The moment that that happened, where you could go into a forum that's open to anybody and everybody to share your passion, your data, your information, it created a problem for any mainstream media, whether it's sports, whether it's news, whether it's weather, whether it's entertainment. So, when you fast forward the, the 20 years and now we're into, you know, 2000s, uh, you have a modernization of the game of the NBA basketball. And it wasn't just on the court. It was business-wise. It was off the court. David Stern completely changed what the business trajectory was from the 80s model and the 90s model into a new progressive forward-thinking model. That's how they sold it. And, and media had to go along with it. But the problem was that they didn't bring the fans, per se. They actually then restricted more access during the pandemic. When you have your fan base locked in at home with nowhere to go, and that's when, you know, the explosion of fan-created content happened. 
But the honest truth is fan-created content has existed since fans have existed. So what made what uh what was the motivation behind hoop spaces? So so the motivation behind it um started with the tennis conversation. Um Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open and I I held a room on an app called Clubhouse. Um, as someone who I, I am very, very pro mental health. Uh, I also understand, though not being an elite athlete, I, I understand the amount of time and the amount of energy uh, that goes into training uh, through my military experience. <laughs> like, I understand the feeling of seclusion and isolation that uh, athletes feel. Um, as they feel constantly paraded around uh, and denigrated online every day. Can't escape it, right? So, so like, I wanted to create the, an, a, a place where fans didn't feel that way. And, and the thought was, if you could create a place where fans didn't feel that way, fans wouldn't actually act that way. And once fans wouldn't act that way, they would actually either rekindle their passion for the sport, uh, maybe tone down some of the aggressive social media usage, maybe treat players with you know better respect that these players do deserve, uh, because it would allow them to understand the time and energy and effort that these players actually put in through the vehicle of them creating their own content. So, like, this is episode nine, but just think about all the amount of work that you've had to put in just to get to episode nine, right? Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, um, you and know, it Tony, builds. yeah, Tony used to have a fro before we started the podcast. <laughs> and... No, it was glorious, man. Uh, I saw, I think I saw a picture. It was Bob Ross-esque, right? Like, yes, was, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, trees. <laughs> Happy trees, happy clouds. Man. Yes, absolutely, and maybe maybe a silhouette of Austin Reeves in the clouds. But See, there you, go. <laughs> you there know, you, it's, go. you know, it's funny that you say. It's interesting that you just said that about you know how we speak about players. Now, we have done. I have done some trolling, and I had a learning experience. I remember I made a comment about. I made a comment about a former Laker, a player that was on the squad last season, and he got traded midseason. And you're you're a mute. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and you know, someone that was in his camp, kind of, you know, like hit me with, like, you know, DM me and say, "Yo, really?" And I was just like, "Like you said that." And he ended up being a guest on our podcast, and we spoke about it. And I remember from that moment, it was like, okay, you know what? I do recognize, not saying I'm going to censor myself, but I remember thinking that, oh, shit, you know what? As we build these platforms, it, there's a responsibility that comes with it where I have to be consistent, but I also have to be mindful of my words. I can't, this is, you know, I'm, we're not doing a shock jock thing. And... You know, that's something that I've been very mindful of and and always like, you know, it always stands out to me that there is a this is not a reckless thing. 
that we're doing. You know, it, it, there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And one thing I appreciate about what we're doing and what you're doing uh, with Hoop Spaces, Chris, is that there's no long. We're not. We don't. We're not dealing with the gatekeepers anymore because for the longest time, because of the lack of technology, if you weren't a journalist, then you weren't media. And then remember, the the old journalists would dis used to dismiss the players. But now what's really funny is now the players are dismissing the fan-driven content because they're like, oh, well, you never played. You're kind of just a fan. So I find that the fan-driven content creators are – it almost feels like the players in a lot of ways are kind of like trying to gatekeep. And there's sometimes a dismissiveness in, like, the knowledge that a fan will have because I can say with all sincerity, I have watched over 10,000 hours of basketball and analyze the game. And, and, you know, and if I'm wanting to look at additional content, uh, basketball related. uh, Gladwell argument. Exactly. Players laugh at that, by the way. Players laugh at it. Players laugh at it, but it was just like, okay, I've watched so much of the game. They they should. Yeah, they should. Because I I actually, I I am on the player side in this. You do. Um, Which which is, it sounds absolutely hilariously crazy considering what right. Right. Okay, However, please explain that. Let me let me let me uh proffer a question. What's the largest amount of people you've ever had watch you at any one given moment? What I think I had we well we had a space and we had a space at one point that had what close to nine hundred people. And that's you're talking about real life, or you're talking about like well, that is real life. Oh, well, yes. you know, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, like, no, no, the spaces count, spaces, yeah, real life, okay. all so of we, that counts. We had a space well, what's, on a what's the we number? had a space, what's the we had a, nine, we had 900 uh people in a space on a right. I think it was a Saturday or something. Some of these dudes have 90 million, yes, very true. All right, how many of those 900 people said a negative thing about the space or about you? Oh, I would say probably a third at least. So this dude has 30 million. Yeah. And by the way, that's just this country. That's true. So so like it's not uh bogarding access. It is a natural reaction to the small number of fans who are assholes. And there's a statement and and it's a it's a truism it's in every culture it does not matter where you were born on this planet you attract more flies with honey yeah so why would a player want to go into a space where it is as sour as vinegar. Now, some players, they don't mind the toxicity. They're, they thrive on it. We understand this. They're people too. We but saw Kevin Durant. Yourself. We saw Kevin Durant hop into a space, yeah. what, about a, about two months ago? Oh, I mean, I've seen him. I seen it. I saw it two years ago. Like, players are on spaces. They are in their burners. They listen. They talk to each other. But they also know who, who's really pro player. And the issue is you have a lot of the fan creators who will say they're pro player, but they're stands. Or they'll say they're pro team, 
but the stands. You can't be a pro player in a pro team if you're a stand because you can't view the game objectively. You can't be unbiased uh, and show equal respect to every player. And, and like, that's what the players are fighting back against. And when you look at it in that, uh, there's another saying. It only takes one bad apple to ruin a bunch. Very Once true. Once the bunch is ruined, the bunch is ruined. And you know what you do with the bunch? You toss it out. You get another one. So I'm going to ask you, because that is something that comes up a lot, especially on Twitter and fan-driven content, the GOAT debate the standing for a particular player. Now <laughs> I can tell you with sincerity, as much as we've been having fun with Austin Reeves about Austin Reeves, we're having fun. Yes. We can bring up some stats and, and we're rooting for him and he's a fan favorite for the Lakers, but we also know that we're having fun. Let me ask you as a person that you have conversations with people um, on your platform, how do you look at this, the whole stand culture? Oh, I, 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 I try very hard not to uh, police a person's fandom. I, I don't necessarily think standom is fandom. Um, I think there's a, a stark difference between the two. Um, a fan is somebody who's emotionally invested and impacted by the outcome of the game uh, and production of players and teams, right? Like that's a basic definition we can agree to. A stand is somebody who cannot regulate their behavior over a specific subject. Like that's the difference. Yeah, I agree. Look, there's, I'm not saying names, but there, there, look, there's a couple of, there's a LeBron stand in particular, that he speaks about LeBron on Twitter every day, but his when he talks about Jordan, it's gotten to a point where it's ugly and it's personal, even to the point about why he retired in the um, the first time. And it's just like, man, do you even love the game of basketball? I think the stand thing is just ugly, it's toxic, and even the goat debate. I don't engage in goat debates anymore. Like to me, it's not fun. Um, it's very it's dismissive to the cult uh, to the you, to the you game can, of basketball. You can have a, you can have it, but you have to have it in in an environment in an structure that is not confrontational or competitive. And Twitter is not that place for a goat debate. Pretty much, not at all, not at all. But you know what? Um, and we're we're about to you know we're about to wrap up this conversation uh, with you. I want to ask two more questions for you. One. First question, what's the and what do you think is the future of fan? Because, you know, we we have our documentary that we're releasing the uh, November 7th and the, the trailer is out now. We spoke about it earlier. I look at this as endless potential. But what do you see as the future of fan created sports platforms? Platforms or content, because like that's that's really. Both. Um, yeah, because because. I think sometimes we use the term platform uh, a little loosely. Um, and I think sometimes we should just use the word vehicle, but I don't think enough people are, are really understanding of what's meant by that. So like a platform is a position 
of value. What value you bring is the platform. So not necessarily even content is a platform. It's, it's content. Uh, the platform could be entertainment because you're the values entertainment, right? So as long as it stays within that frame, there will always be fan-created content. And, you know, if it's good, they'll stop being fans and start being professional creators. Uh, once you cross that Rubicon, it's a different ballgame, right? And I think part of the problem is, is people anticipate it being the same. So they don't do the requisite work to, to build themselves properly. So they end up losing all of their momentum and they eventually deplatform themselves and just simply go back to becoming what I would call uh, free for play content creators. So really it's about what level you get at as a fan creator uh, because there are no professional fans creators wow that man dropping dropping some dimes here that's that's that you know that is uh that is dope man that is dope that's a great way to end this conversation um you know one of the things we ask every single the last last question we ask every single guest of our podcast is what are we watching so we're in the off season. We're also, you know, Hollywood is in the midst of two strikes with the writers and the actors. Um, what are you watching besides uh, the game? There's no basketball on outside of FIBA. What are you watching? TV, streaming, movies? What are you watching, Chris? Bro, I, I don't watch a lot of TV or movies. Um, I do a lot of reading. Uh, what are you uh, reading? Uh, right now. Ha. Right now. I was reading a white paper, um, which is a research paper for those. Right, right. Yeah. uh, On the Mars uh, helicopter. So the the uh, ingenuity, right? They have a small little uh, helicopter. Uh, It was only supposed to actually run for X amount of times. Like the mission parameters was like from date to date. Uh, It just made its 56th launch flight and land on Mars. Right. Um, And they have actually now tied it uh, with the Curiosity rover. So essentially it is now a tandem discovery team. Helicopter flies up and and gives some um, advanced scouting. It's not a long operational flight because it's solar powered. Uh, I also uh, read about the impact of a uh, celestial body on Jupiter, Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't seen, you can Google it. that thing was probably large enough to do some like severe heavy damage to this planet, right? So like I've been reading that, and I actually watched the video clip because it was captured by uh, an astronomy team in Japan. Uh, and then I've been reading about Voyager two. Uh, it, it tilted its axis, uh, pushing its uh, antenna away. Uh, it's outside the Oort cloud, which is the the furthest from um, our natural solar system, uh, and they were able to jury rig a. Uh, work around to put the antenna back into a better position. Uh, so I, there was that. Um, semiconductor, LK99, uh, a whole bunch of other science stuff. Like it, it is, 
uh, literally nonstop science uh, from AI to space. Uh, and then, of course, unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we do have a former um, political famous person in the news <laughs> literally every other day so you can't avoid that um with the, with the upcoming trials so like i'm i'm a nerd i during the off season i'm not even really putting on anything in the movies uh, i'm i'm reading everything that i can on science climate change space uh, and politics i'm like i'm 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 real oh so you're you're a political you're a political buff as well yeah yeah and comedy, because I, I used to write and do stand-up. So oh man, we we uh we share we have a lot of similarities. Look, I 90% of the time I'm watching TV. If I'm not watching uh sports, uh I'm watching I'm on the I'm watching the news. Um yeah, I'm watching the news, so it's uh yeah, so I'm but you know what? But look, Chris. We've, we so much. Thank you so much for uh, for rocking with us. Um, and you know what? We will see you again uh, in the future, man. And uh, talk to you soon, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate it, Rebel and Tony. And look, I'm I'm expecting big things. All right. Uh, this year, I want you to go ahead and and pencil it in that you are going to do big things. Like we need to understand that this is a long game. Yeah. Right? Drink water. Chop wood carry on absolutely absolutely brother hey this is uh chris um you can follow him at hoop spaces also tune into his show hoop spaces on amp entertaining funny great music and uh the food takes food takes are yeah well they're they're interesting they're interesting (laughs) and I use the you know, it's immaculate. You, and, gotta, you gotta go with the flow, man. It's, it's yeah, immaculate. And, and hey, you know what? Maybe we can have you again at some point because we really gotta get into your beef with Michael Jackson. But hey, um, but brother, we'll definitely be talking soon, man. Absolutely. Hope you have a great uh, uh, rest of Labor Day weekend for all your listeners. Make sure you check out this documentary. Like, it's gonna be something you're gonna wanna spend the time uh, to check it out. And to Tony, had no idea you got your own Funko Pop, man. That is dope. That is big. I'm happy for you. Thank I gotta you. hear the story one day. You, one day for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace out. Peace. Well, that was one. That was a great conversation with Hoop uh, with Chris from Hoop Spaces. Really was. Classy really brother. Was. Classy brother. Um, Tony, Mister Poppy yeah. Chulo. What are you watching, man? Um, I've been watching uh, The Lioness in Paramount. Great show. Um, a little bit different. A little bit. Um, you you know those shows that goes like, um, they show you the future and then they go back in time and kind of like, like they recant well, like the past year or so or something mm-hmm. like that yeah it's, it's that type of style i'm really not a fan of it but the show's pretty good to keep being engaged so yeah i'm I'm watching that and um what else that's about it i'm i actually have on my watch list to watch one piece 
because Netflix decided to put, to put One Piece live action. So let's okay, see how so that goes. KB, our brother KB, who is not here, um, he mentioned One Piece earlier. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. What is One Piece and why sh- should I watch it? Oh, boy. Um, in a nutshell, in probably less than a minute, it's a it's based on a kid who wants to be a pirate king or the king of the pirates. Basically, he wants to find the treasure of Gold Rogers and to get it in that world, he has to eat. Well, he there's certain people that can eat a fruit or they can find this treasure or whatever you want to call it fruit. Uh, it's like this this uh, this devil fruit, which gives you powers, and his power is the gum gum fruit, the gum gum or gum or whatever. It's 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 like rubber. He is like rubber, um, and all the properties associated. Sounds like with a rip off of uh, Popeye. Uh, Popeye wow. ate the spinach got strong. Yeah, kind of, not really. There's a lot of side characters, but the main topic is he wants to be parking. How do he oh. goes through it? I don't know how the movie addresses it. I have no idea because the manga is shit you not a thousand plus. It's almost reaching two thousand at this point. Like it's it's ridiculous. It's like the joke is it's never ending. So how do they make it in a movie? I have no idea. So mm. yeah, it's gonna be uh, interesting. Okay. Because supposedly well, you know, it's good. Supposedly it's good. So oh, all right. Well, you know, I just been watching um Money Heist on Netflix and they have a spin-off. So the story takes place in Spain. Uh it is about a money heist. It's a dope story. Now, uh it is it was originally recorded in Spanish. Yeah, I'm, so I'm the, well aware of, of what it is. But... Yeah, so the so the English so the so the English dub you can like I could never watch it with I could never watch it with you because the, the translation I'm sure just fucking sucks. It's, it took it's, me about two episodes to like really get used to this. Do you want to know what's funny though? Go ahead. I watched it in in, in dub because I couldn't stand because it's actually it's it's recorded I think in Portugal or or, or Spain. Yeah, Spain. And yeah. it's it's <laughs> and I can't stand it. Like I, I great storyline. And by the way, do you want to guess what's the original title? Because you're you're talking about like is it money. the house? Is it House of Money? It's it's called La Casa de Papel. Yes. So okay, what so does that translate to? It, it's it's basically the the House of Paper. Yeah. Okay. House of Paper. Okay. I yeah. yeah. So 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 you understand like from money heist to house of paper like Jesus Christ it's a good story it's I still haven't watched the last season but it's I, oh it's, man you gotta yeah. watch the last season you I'm gotta just, you gotta watch I, I'm the last bad season. at that like I kind of go to the point and I'm like oh it it ends I can wait <laughs> like it's, uh, I I do that too much man I I've, I've noticed I that that's hate, a, yeah man, look I hate it I um. Um, I hate that. If I if I'm watching a show, I'm gonna finish it. Fuck all that other shit. Do you know um, what I blame? What? Do you know which show I blame for that? To be totally honest, Lost. I blame that shit. On I've Lost. never seen a. I've never seen one scene of that show. 
yo, no, I'm I'm being totally honest. Like Lost is a great, it's a great show in my opinion. Like you can actually you can watch it right now because it's mm-hmm. I think it was it's more than a decade. You can watch it now. Okay. And it's and it's pretty entertaining. It's I don't know ten seasons of it. Like it, it's it's a good it's good for binging. But man, that last season, that last season was probably the worst the worst I've ever seen a storyline conclude. And that wow. that's the pro- that's the problem. Like if you watch the end, I know it's an ending, but then Game of Thrones did that shit too, and I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Like it's it's just when you see the last season, it's like. It's like the writers just decide, like, oh, ah, let's just let's just finish the shit, you know. <laughs> and it, they kind of ruined the whole like, cl- like, think about it this way: it's a buildup. You 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 have this buildup. It's like, oh wow, there's a great pain, and then in the end, it's like I take primer and just th- just throw it on top of it. It's like, oh, it's it's ruined. So, it's ruined. Well, yeah. Let's see. Um, like I said, just finished watching Money Heist. I'm trying to um figure. I'm lioness i didn't realize that taylor sheridan so taylor you know you know i got i'm sure you heard i got uh kb hooked on uh yellowstone so this it's the same creator from yellowstone and he's also and he also has mayor kingstown uh on paramount plus he also has um uh tulsa king with uh sylvester salone so he's been on a creative role i'm a huge fan of his um, the Yellowstone, it already has two spinoffs that are phenomenal. So when I found out when, when uh, KB was like, oh, yeah, it's the same guy from Yellowstone, I'm like, oh, shit. So I added that to my watch list. I think uh, the next show I'm probably going to watch, just because there's so few episodes, is uh, The Citadel. It's like an espionage um, CIA show. It, I think what they spent over $200 million on it. It's uh, the Russo Brothers who uh, directed it, uh, guys from uh, Avengers uh, um, Endgame, and probably one of my top three favorite superhero movies ever, Winter Soldier. I like that espionage shit. So, what, see you making a face. You're not a fan of it? I watched it. Yeah. No, it's not a good... No? It's not serious. It's not. Here's the thing. You you, you said the... Which is your favorite? Winter Soldier. Exactly. Chef kiss, right? Yes, yes. From a chef doo-doo. That is chef doo-doo. Is, yep. Yep. That's uh. the, that's the inverse. Like you're going to the multiverse, and that's just a different shit show. Like I I am actually a fan of, of the of the of the actor because the it's the same actor, right? It's it's the so it's the one that does um oh god, the name of the dude uh, that does uh that has the arm. Oh, um, wait, um, hold on, Sebastian, Sebastian, something. Yes, so it's the same. It's it's the same character, the director, Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Stan. Like when you look at the cast, it's supposed to be epic. It's really supposed to be epic, and I'll. Here's the thing: give it the benefit of the doubt. Watch it. I just feel like it's again same shit. It's poor writing, like way. And, and anyway, I'm not going to. Yeah, whatever. Huh. All right. OK, well, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to look. There's so many shows on these watch on my watch list. Uh, I'm going to see what's next. Um, I'm glad I finally got 
money heist out the way. I'm probably going to take a little bit of time um, to because they're they're actually going to have a spinoff of Money Heist of from yes the, yes that's coming out. Um, they have another they have a first spinoff, uh, but it's like taking place in Korea. I don't think there's any connection. But this is going to the the one that's coming out in uh, December is a true spinoff. So I'm going to figure out what's next on my watch list. Um, and yeah, man, but look, this is number nine, episode nine, meeting of the gold mines. We got, um, you know, we got a lot of things going on. Um, I think by the time we, by about time you listen to number 10 or number 10 is released, we're going to have merchandise coming out and I will just give you a heads up. It's going to piss some people off. But hey, that's what we do. We entertain the buffoonery. You guys know our motto. We do things differently. Um, This is Born Rebel, a.k.a. Zen. That's my brother, Tony, the ball mojito. And we are out. Thank you for listening. We will catch you very soon. Peace.